Women Taking the Lead, episode 145. So I believe it's the leader's job to be in alignment, to be very aware, very mindful of of what's going on around them and within themselves and constantly be doing that inner work to become a better leader and to really bring out the best in other people. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Jessica Williams, who is a career and leadership coach for women and founder of the Superwoman Project, where she is dedicated to helping women declare ownership over their professional lives to achieve more money, success, and joy. Jessica holds a master's degree in strategic communications from the University of Oregon and is a certified Martha Beck life coach and a 200-hour certified yoga instructor. She is also the host of the Superwoman Chronicles, a podcast highlighting the work of extraordinary women around the globe. Jessica, you are my partner in crime. Thank you for being here. But that's just an overview for everyone. So tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Thank you, Jody, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm honored to be your guest today. Um, my humble beginnings, wow, um, they were very humble indeed. I grew up in North Carolina in Winston-Salem and a pretty small town to a mother and father who did not go to college. My mother, um, she she went and got her associate's degree and was an x-ray tech at the hospital when I was born. And my dad was laid off from working at a brewery and building the house I grew up in. Um, and he actually ended up uh, getting offered a position at Wake Forest University in, in Winston-Salem as the groundskeeper through a series of construction projects that he was working on, at carpentry and that sort of thing. And he worked his way up and retired a few years ago as the assistant athletic director. And I share this because I, I did not grow up with mentors who went to college. I was not surrounded by, um, you know, people who were, you know, had had been wealthy or successful, you know, in, in, in the terms that we tend to think of. Um, I... I, my father was at, at Wake Forest and he worked there for so long because he wanted me to have a private education and, um, they paid 90% of my tuition to go there. And so we weren't a wealthy family. Um, but I did get to go to this private school because of my dad's dedication to staying at the university all those years. And, um, and when I went to college, I was surrounded by all of these amazing women that had gone to private, you know, high schools and had grown up in, um, in different parts of the world. And I was really exposed to a whole new way of living. And I, growing up, I was just yearning for something. I was, I felt like there was something I was meant to do in the world. And I felt called and I didn't really know what it was, but I knew I had to get out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and had to travel the world and see and do things. And, I could not wait to leave. And so when I graduated from college, literally the day after, I threw all of my stuff in a little two-seater car and drove west to California. And 
I had never been further than Tennessee and I had never been to Los Angeles. I just had this like vision of what LA would look like. And I jumped in my car and I drove there with $500 in my pocket and no job. And I went to live with a second cousin I had never met and to start a new life. And it's been 13 years now that I've been on the West Coast and it's been quite a journey. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is taking a risk, rolling the dice. That's what that's at a point in your life when you're just like, what have I got to lose? Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and no one prepares you when you come out of college. No one says to you, like, here's how to live your life and here's what to expect. And I fell into a pretty uh, deep depression. I didn't know what it was, but um, I knew I wasn't happy. And I was working a job and um, selling wine for a wine distributor in Los Angeles and driving all over the city and had no friends. I did not feel connected to the place. I felt really overwhelmed. And I went to see a therapist and she said, sweetheart, no wonder you're depressed. Like you left everything you've known for 22 years and you moved out here where you have nothing, like no connections to this place. And you left this, you know, college experience and you didn't give yourself any time to grieve. You know, I was three weeks out of college and I had a job, um, in a, you know, new city in a new part of the country, which felt like a whole new world to me. And yeah, so super risky. And then I, I fell in love with a man who lived in San Diego and, uh, he had sailed in his twenties from San Diego to Florida, um, through the Panama Canal in a tiny little boat and he wanted to sail around the world. And, you know, here I am, I'm super adventurous. And I was like, yes, I want to sail around the world too. And so we sold his little boat, we got married, we bought a bigger boat. And for four years, we worked on this sailboat uh, with plans to sail around the world. And in 2007, I quit my job, I was making $100,000 a year selling advertising down in San Diego. And I quit my job. And we pushed off and we sailed around Southern California the first year. And then the second year we sailed up into the Pacific Northwest and things weren't going so well in our marriage. In fact, um, talk about humble beginnings. I basically um, ended up in a relationship that just was not healthy for me. And um, I feel like, I feel like Jody, I'm sharing a lot of like personal stuff, but it all kind of explains how I got to where I am today, helping women because I, I just didn't have a lot of female mentors growing up. I didn't have women who said, you know, here's a, here's a great example or who demonstrated, you know, what was possible. I, I had my father saying, you can be anything you want to be. And my mother, you know, behind him going, yeah, you can do this. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so it, you know, it, it, it was a really long journey for me to get to where I am. So um, not a super short story, but I, to kind of wrap that up, I was, we were, I was living with my ex-husband and we were living in Port Townsend, Washington, which is this beautiful, uh, beautiful kind of historic town on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington state. And it's right at the entry point to the uh, Puget Sound as you come down into Seattle. And it was this really magical place. And we moved off the boat and we were living in this old Victorian home. And uh, I was going to therapy twice a week, trying to decide whether I wanted to leave my husband and I was working downtown at this wine shop on Main Street, and I was being paid in wine under the table. And that was literally all I did with my time for like four months because we didn't have, there were no jobs there. And, and it was right at the beginning of the recession. Um, 
so I was, I was doing that. I, I finally decided that it was my path to, to walk away from the marriage. And I took what they call a karma yoga position, which is the yoga of service. Um, I've always practiced yoga and I took this position It's like a volunteer position up at this retreat center in the Pacific Northwest called Hollyhock. And it's on this Island called Cortez Island, right outside of desolation sound. So just this glorious, again, another magical place. And I lived there for a time and volunteered for room and board and met some really amazing people from around the world. And one of them said, Hey, I know you're kind of starting your life over. I think you would like Portland, Oregon. And Jody, I like sat down one day and meditated and had this vision of what I wanted my place to look like, my healing space, the new life that I wanted for myself. And I had like this, this really solid idea. And within 12 hours, I went on Craigslist and found that exact place that I had in my mind in Portland, right off of Hawthorne Boulevard. And I rented the place sight unseen. I had never been to Portland. And I was like, I'm just going to start my life over. And I rented a car and drove from from Canada all the way down to this to this little apartment. I had I didn't even have a bed to sleep in. I was sleeping on the floor and I had a dog and so I was sleeping in her in her dog bed for like a week. <laughs> um, and living off of cardboard boxes and um and a friend said to me, she called me, she said, how are you doing? I said, I'm sleeping on the floor and I have no money. And she said, my daughter lives in Portland. I'm sending her your way. And so my, my now best friend, but you know, at the time I had never met this woman, Julie, Julie shows up at my house with a big pickup truck full of mattresses and towels and chairs and everything like you could think of a shower curtain, like she just gave me the world to like set me up and um, to support me. And, uh, and then I, I started rebuilding my life. I, uh, when I moved to Portland, it was 2009. So the recession was, you know, really full force and Portland was feeling it hard. And I didn't really know. I didn't really know how bad it was. I just knew I could not find a job and I had no car. So I was like riding around Portland on a bike looking for work and I couldn't even get a job like you know, making coffee or waiting tables. And here I had had a job making $100,000 a year, two years prior. And now nobody would hire me for anything. Um, and so I, I actually found a job way out in, in the, um, the valley where the Willamette Valley, where they make wine at a little tasting room. And I worked there part time. And then I found a job waiting tables way out in the, um, in the Columbia Gorge, which is like, an hour each way for me to drive and waiting tables out there. So I was driving all over the city and barely making enough money to like pull my rent. And um, at one point I went and uh, stood in line for food stamps because um, it was, it was hard times. Um, and then a friend of mine said to me, she said, I work at this OBGYN clinic and we need a receptionist. Um, you know, they only pay like 12 or $13 an hour but it's full-time benefits and everything. And she got me an interview and they hired me right away. And I ended up working there for two and a half years. And um, that was super humbling, but also one of the best things I've ever done for myself, which was carve out a period of time where I was, I had a solid position where all I had to do was go to work and come home at the end of the day. And I didn't have to think about that job. Um, I just had to do it and come home 
could pay my bills, you know, live a modest life. And I decided to go get certified as a yoga instructor. So I did that. I, I went and took myself to Thailand for a month um, and uh, meditated my way through Thailand and partied a bit and had some fun. And, and then I came back and applied for graduate school. And um, I was kind of all over the place for a couple of years, which makes me, I think, a great career coach because I can like, really identify with people. Um, so... I ended up going to graduate school and then landed a job during school that really propelled me into um, a new career. And after three years at that position, I left and started my own business. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Jessica, as you were going through all the different jobs you had, that was my thought exactly that, wow, sometimes the best career coaches are the ones who've tried a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. because they know what works, what doesn't work, how to find jobs, how to, you know, network and find opportunities. And clearly, you know how to network and find opportunities because there was always something right there. It's true. Yeah. It's so great. And so, you know, you're now in a place where, my goodness, you're experienced so much success. We had a little chat before we hit record and you were telling me how excited you were with where your business is right now, where it's going and the potential in it is just tremendous. So, you know, I hear the confidence in your voice, even though, you know, parts of your story, you talk about how you were just felt lost and like you, you were wandering. I didn't know if you wanted to highlight any specific moment where you were playing small. I know there were a couple of them in there. But what I'm specifically interested in is, you know, that a particular one and the lessons you've learned from it. Yeah, Jody, that's just a great question. Because um, this call to play big is such, I mean, it's, you know, it's showing up everywhere. And it, it, it can feel a little overwhelming. And, and so oftentimes, we don't even know when we're playing small, right? And um, the best example I can think of is actually a pretty recent example. Um, I, when I started my own business, I was going through some personal things um, in my family that were making my life, my daily life really hard because I was grieving um, some tragic event that had happened. And um, so I'm trying to do that, trying to launch my business and trying to really understand my audience, my ideal client you know, what it is I'm actually doing. I was becoming a certified life coach. So I was in the process of just dealing with a lot. And um, I kind of started going outside of myself and looking for what I call like a magic bullet. Like, can somebody please tell me what to do? Because this is so I have so much going on right now. I just need somebody to tell me how to make my business successful. And so I was kind of looking for what I would call like a magic bullet. And I wanted somebody to just kind of tell me what to do. And this woman um, down in California, she runs a, like a business program. And she basically was like, you know, I, I bought into her pitch, which was like, trust me, I'll tell you how to market your business and grow your business. And you'll make $100,000 in the first year. And, you know, and I was like, yes, yeah, sign me up. I need somebody to tell me what to do. And the first six months of that program, it's like a year long program where you go through a system for growing your business. And I started to notice a lot of anxiety in that first six months and a lot of um, times where I felt completely out of alignment for the way I wanted to run my business. And 
it just got increasingly worse and worse to the point where I was not enjoying showing up for the conference calls, didn't want to participate in the group anymore. And a friend of mine said, why do you keep, why do you keep pushing yourself to do this? And I said, well, cause I've, I've spent $8,000 on this program. And she said, yeah, but do you want to give any more of your power to it? You've already given 8,000. Why are you giving any more of your power? And I was like, you're right. And so I dropped out of that program and Jody, it, just it transformed everything like I opened up to this whole new experience of my business as um, an experience of myself in a whole new way and coming within and now I have this corner in my room where I actually in my office where I actually will sit and have conversations with my business and ask my business what does it want to grow and what does it need to do to um, express what it's not currently getting to express and how can I tap in more into my creativity and my inspiration and build this business in a way that's in alignment with my calling and that really is like the best story I can come up with for how I felt like I was playing small like I really wasn't owning my expertise and my knowledge and trusting myself and the moment I made that switch, my whole business just, I mean, it has just exploded in terms of alignment, creativity, passion, excitement, um, clients coming in. So, yeah. Wow, Jessica. And I think most people can relate to that experience of investing in a training program. You know, time, money, combination of both might not be $8,000, but it was still an investment of time and money. And feeling at the end like you just didn't get what you thought you were going to get out of it. And, you know, good for you for if it was bothering you that much, it was clearly a program that wasn't right for you, you know, and wasn't going to be right for your business. And I love how you took a different perspective of, you know, what, what does my business want? What does my business want to express? It had me for a moment, like, like sitting back on my heels being like, what is my business? Want? That's a great, that's a great question. Like, and I'm going to give that more thought later today of, is there something my business wants to be doing out in the world or expressing that I, I just have not given the opportunity for yet? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, when you start looking at it that way, it becomes its own. Okay. So I'm going to back up the, since I've launched my business, I've been telling my friends, it feels like I'm birthing something like literally I had a friend who was pregnant and and I don't mean to say like having a child is the same as having a business, but in a lot of ways, like I was creating something and it felt like a birth for me. And um, so it becomes its own entity, your business, your career, um, you know, anything that you're dedicating your time and energy into um, over a period of, of, you know, a long, that has a longevity that has outcome that has, um, that has results you're trying to achieve. Right. And if you can think of it as an entity that you can like get behind or fuel in a way and understand that it has its own life that it has to experience in its own path. I think that that, um, that was really transformative for me. I love it. Now, if you could mm -hmm. share with us a time in your journey, when you had a wake up call, take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My wake up call Wow. Um, well, the one that comes to mind for me, Jody, is I was working at a job that 
I had a job that I'd been at for three years and I was in a very prominent kind of position in the community in which I live, uh, well-respected um, in my work and well-known for what I was doing. And I was making good money. I mean, really good money. And I had a pretty flexible schedule, a nice office downtown. Um, and I, I started to have... I started to have a serious, um, serious discontent within. And once I walked down the hall and quit my job, I felt like a burst of light, like popped open ahead of me, you know, like I was standing in, you know, sunshine and bathed in light. And I felt this sense of relief and I realized like what it means to come into full alignment and, and how we don't have to wait until it gets really bad to come into alignment. Like, we don't have to wait until it's like, you know, it's we're in immense suffering. We can choose to come into alignment and to follow our truth and our calling um, at any point along our path. And that oftentimes it might be the hardest step we have to take. Like that, walking down the hall mm-hmm. and quitting my job was terrifying for me. It was so hard because I felt like people were going to look at me and go, you are stupid. You have one, you have like the best job in town. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, I had to like work against all of that programming and all of that belief. Um, and, and, and really take this risk because that's what I felt called to do. And the moment I did, there was this huge sense of relief. I can totally relate to that because I've definitely had times in my life when I felt like I was completely on the right path, like going in the right direction. And it's awesome when you have that feeling because everything's easy, right? The, it, it, that Exactly the way you ex- talked about it, like the world opened up and everything was lighter and air smelled sweeter. <laughs> it's, so, it's so cliche, but that's how you feel in those moments because you have such freedom. But it always came after making a scary decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That you can't get there until you decide to let go of something that's holding you back. And that's scary. Oh, it's so scary. And you know what? That's why a lot of people don't do it because that fear is so strong. And that's why you, you know, you go, if particularly if you're a woman and you're thinking about starting your business, you know, you'll likely start going to conferences where you're, you know, trying to get inspired and surround yourself by people who run their own businesses. And that's why the majority of the talks are about fear and overcoming resistance because it is so powerful. (laughs) So true. And Jessica, I'm curious how you're going to answer this question because Everyone has a different leadership style, right? There are key components to leadership, right? You got to have good co- communication skills. You got to be a good listener. You got to be able to build relationships and network and, you know, just hear people for where they are. But we're all a little bit different because we have different personality styles. We have different strengths and backgrounds. And so we're all going to lead just a little bit differently. So Jessica, how would you describe your leadership style? That's a great question. Um, when I'm in a position of leadership, which I have been for quite some time. Um, my style is to actually go inward. So I start to notice what, um, what I'm feeling in my body regarding the experience that I'm having with my direct reports or the people who are following me. 
Um, even the people I'm managing up to. So let's, you know, my previous position, I had a boss. And so you're managing up when you have a boss. And in a way, you're leading. Um, and, and it's a different kind of leading, but it's a leading. And um, so my my way of approaching leadership is to look within and figure out, you know, where am I holding back? Where am I not in alignment so that I can serve others and remove the obstacles that are getting in their way to success. So I believe that's your job as a leader is to is to make the people who follow you make their lives easier so they can go out and, you know, be in alignment and um, fulfill their calling or whatever it is they're there to do um, in a way that not only serves themselves, but serves everybody else so that they're more um, whole and more joyful and they inspire others, you know, as a leader. So, um, and that, I think that starts from the top. You look at any successful business or any business that is falling apart. And I believe you look to the leader, you look to the top and, and you will see where the original problem is, right? Like if you, if you have a business, like you could go into, um, if you go into a business and, and you get great customer experience, the service is awesome, the product is great, I think you go back to the person at the top. And that's often why it's so good, because it trickles down. Um, now, if it's a bad experience, if you know employees are unhappy, if they're leaving, if there's a lot of turnover, it's often because of something that's out of alignment at the top. So I believe it's mm-hmm. the leader's job to be in alignment, to be very aware very mindful of um, of what's going on around them and within themselves and constantly be doing that inner work to become a better leader and to really bring out um, the best in other people. Amen. <laughs> Jessica, what is the biggest leadership or business challenge you're faced with right now? It's mm, a great question. Um, you know, Jody, we were talking uh, before we got on the call that I'm really interested in building a movement. So my work at the Superwoman Project is about empowering other women uh, in their career and in leadership. And I believe that that's a super important area for us to feel empowered because as women, we're not often taught how to take care of ourselves. And making money is one of the best ways that we can take care of ourselves so that we can tend to our kind of basic needs and put a roof over our head and take care of our families. And um, so I think that our professional lives are so, so important. And I want to create a movement around that that really inspires women to, to take care of themselves in new ways that doesn't require them to um, become more masculine, but allows them to be more in their feminine and really tap into kind of their innate talents to, to, to make a difference, to take care of themselves and their friends and their family, um, and to write their own rules for how, how they can live their professional life. Mm, and this might have the same answer, but on the flip side, mm-hmm. what's one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? <laughs> well, I'll give you a different answer. I am so excited about my podcast, The Superwoman Yay! Chronicles. <laughs> I, I launched that podcast earlier this year, and it has just been it's been an amazing journey. It was something I've been wanting to do for several years, and I'm a huge podcast fan, and um, my podcast hero is Krista Tippett of On Being, and I've been listening to her for 15 years, and um, so to have my own podcast now, it's just, 
it's felt phenomenal. And to highlight the work of amazing women around the world, just, I mean, just, I think that that's so important because we need more mentors. We need to know that there are uh, women out there who are leading, who are great examples of um, what is possible if we put our minds um, to it and we take care of ourselves and we really do that inner work to overcome those obstacles and barriers in our way. I love that. You know, I love podcasting. So, <laughs> And now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup and we'll bring this all into a landing. So what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? Mm. I would say meditation for me. Um, again, I mentioned this earlier that for me, I think leadership is about knowing yourself and, and, and recognizing your aversions and your attachments and the triggers that you have that are coming up and why you're behaving in a way that you're behaving and just learning to get more intimate with yourself. So for me, meditation uh, allows me to do that. It's, um, it's a space for me to really clear out any any of those things and come into alignment and really identify um, the truth that I feel like I'm constantly trying to seek out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why they call it a practice. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Awesome. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? So um, I love this book. It's called The Leadership Challenge by Kuz and Posner. And um, I love it because they did tons of research on leadership. And it's not just women that they talk about, but just leadership in general. And uh, that book for me was transformative in how to lead others. And they do um, a lot of research as to what makes a great leader. And they do uh, an- or, um, examples of uh, companies and um, executives who have become great leaders and those who haven't so that you can really see how it plays out um, when when you have great leadership at the top. Nice. Going back to what you said earlier about how important it is to have the leader at the top in alignment in a good place so they can lead everyone else too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And Jessica, what advice would you give your younger self? I would tell my younger self to stop worrying about everybody else and um, learn to take care of herself. So um, as a younger woman, I wasn't really taught what it meant to take care of myself. And it seems like such a simple phrase, but it's such a, for me, it's such a powerful one because to really take care of ourselves means that we need to identify, you know, ways that we can, um, comfort ourselves and soothe ourselves and provide for ourselves. And I was always kind of mentored to look outside of myself for that, to look towards um, having a boyfriend or a husband or, you know, a partner that would, (sighs) it sounds terrible, that would save me from, you know, from myself because I, I feel like I was running from myself for a long time. And um, if someone had said to me, sweetheart, turn around, go take a bath, go take a nap, go, you know, go get clear about what's going on um, within, you know, go to a coach, go to a therapist, go to yoga, like invest in yourself earlier on. You know, I might not have had so many winding paths, but I wouldn't take back my winding paths or anything Mm -hmm. because they brought me to where I am so that I can serve other women and, and, and help them through their winding paths. But Man, taking care of yourself 
that has been my one of my biggest challenges in life. I am really good at taking care of other people, but taking care of myself is always, always hard. And you have to take care of yourself first mm-hmm. if you want to take care of other people. Otherwise, you have nothing left to give. Now, Jessica, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Mm-hmm. So I always come back to poetry. I'm a, a big fan of poetry. And there's a um, there's a couple poems by uh, Rilke that I just love. And one of them says, live the questions to the answers that you seek. So oftentimes we're, we're searching for answers. And can you stop and ponder the question with friendly curiosity? Um, I love that one. And then I'm going to kind of sneak in one more other, other one. And it's also by Rilke. And he says, um, be the mystery at the crossroads of your senses, the meaning discovered there. So be the mystery at the crossroads of your senses, the meaning discovered there. So again, coming back to the question, coming back to the mystery, coming back to that, the gaps between all the answers and really becoming intimate with that part of yourself, that part of others, that part of the world. Because in that space is where we find greater truth, greater learning, more growth. And as a society, might we like, you know, collectively become more loving, more uh, generous, more compassionate, more inspired and, and solve some of the big problems that are in our way in this life. Um, we have so many big problems and so much fighting. And if we can find solace and comfort and knowledge and truth in the questions and in the gaps between the answers, I think we might actually rise above it all. Oh, man. And lastly, Jessica, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? They can find me at superwomanproject.com, where um, I do life coaching for women in their professional lives. And also the superwomanchronicles.com. That's the uh, that's the URL for my podcast. So there's the two best places. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jessica Joellen, which is my middle name. And um, I am pretty active on Twitter as well. So... Love it. And for those of you listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. The blog post that accompanies this episode for Jessica is right there. And Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you, Jody, for having me on the show. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. 
As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.